Good evening, Wendy. And welcome back to Inside Quotes. The show where my brother and I rewatch, review, and relive the staples of our childhood. This is episode 86, and I'm your host, Jeremiah Dundee. And with me is my older brother, second best podcast host in the world, my brother Jonathan. Johnny, welcome back to the show. Quack, quack, everybody. Who's this Johnny fella? I thought my name was Jacko. <laughs> Johnny Jacko. Yeah, uh, just prepare for some horrible, uh, mediocre accents. Well, because today we're covering the 2001 cult classic. If you haven't seen this movie, what are you, what are you talking about? What, what are you doing with your life? Uh, Crocodile Dundee 3 in Los Angeles. <laughs> now, this movie, Jonathan, why didn't, why did we skip Crocodile 1, Crocodile Dundee 1 and Crocodile Dundee 2? To move forward for this. Yeah, the fans know the first one is Croc 1. And Croc then there's, 1? And then there's Croc 2, the Mighty Dundee. <laughs> I think the joke already fell apart. Uh, <laughs> yes, if you haven't noticed, we're starting with the third movie out of these series of movies of Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> and that's because this is, this is the one that, that was a staple for us. I mean, this is the yeah. one we rewatched over and over again for whatever reason probably now, and i know for sure for me probably probably the same story for jeremy i mean this was the first one of the series we had seen honestly probably so <laughs> i was not familiar with the other ones when this one came out i don't know if anybody <laughs> in the world has seen this this is another obscure one that's right yeah this is another episode where we fully expect no one to click on because they don't know this movie. <laughs> but that's uh, okay. That's okay. Yeah, we figured we we last week we did a Harry Potter one, so that's pretty I'm pretty sure everybody's seen that and this week we've done one of the most obscure movies of 2001. Guilty pleasure for sure. Honestly. Um I we did get a lot of flack for saying outright that our favorite movie was the third Mighty Ducks movie uh, of the three. Here we go but again. Hopefully, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm excited. This is, this is like the first experience I've ever had with Australia. Okay. Because <laughs> I've seen that. I'm pretty sure I saw this before Finding Nemo. Probably. Because this came out two years before. My memory of this movie is our older brother, Larry, bought this movie on DVD. And I would say up to this point, like our family had mainly just gotten like VHS tapes and stuff. Um, and I feel like our biggest introduction into DVDs actually, Jeremy, I don't know if we've talked about this or if you feel the same way, but mm -hmm. it's through our older brothers when they got part-time jobs who had in high money, school, they had disposable income and no bills. <laughs> they, were the ones that like bought started buying DVDs like before, yeah. like mom and dad did. Yeah. And so they had, they bought a DVD player. They started amassing their own DVD collection. And so now that I'm saying this, it probably inspired us to start our own DVD collections. I mean, yeah, you We've, know, this podcast is because of Larry and Justin. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> and this was one that our older brother, Larry bought. And I just remember looking at the cover and I'm like, I have no idea of what this is, but okay. 
Larry likes it. He thinks it's funny. <laughs> I mean, what's not to love? It's an Australian guy. His home is in the bush. And he goes straight into Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing nothing better than that. It's a classic, you know, fish out of water scenario yeah. of a movie. So do you remember the setup of the other two movies at all? Well, you got your Mick Dundee, <laughs> and you got the bush, and you got Crocs, and you got the bar. Bah. And you got Nugget. That's about it. Yeah. I know the first one he goes to uh, New York for something. So. And he meets his girl there. Well, kind of. Um, based going Just going off of memory, the first movie, the character Sue Charlton, she, Charlton. she's a journalist, I think. Mm-hmm. And she makes a trip over to Australia. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the reason why, but she ends up like hearing about Mick Dundee and decides to write a story about him and meets him. And they kind of go on this kind of little adventure out in the Australian bush. Okay, yeah, I remember this now. And, you know, they fall in love, as you do (laughs) when you're trying to survive out in the bush. And she invites him back to New York with her. After yeah. the after the adventure and after she writes the article to kind of like, oh, see, you know, I've seen your jungle, so to speak. Now come see my jungle. <laughs> and so it's kind of like a romantic comedy. And then the second one is I think it starts out and they're living in New York. And then he's like, I got to find my roots. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> there's this whole scenario of this like. This like drug cartel or something in South America. And because of Sue's journalism connections, she somehow gets connected to this like story and out of like trying to like protect her. He's like, I don't, I don't know this world in America here. I can only protect you in my hometown. So he brings her back to Australia. Yeah. (laughs) Out in the bush again. So that when these like goons, these like drug dealers like come looking for her. It's always drugs. It, it always it always comes back to that. Drags the money. All right, so now so now we're caught up. We're at the third one. Okay, but first of all, let's not glaze <laughs> over the fact that Paul Hogan won a Golden Globe in 1987 for Best Actor for Crocodile Dundee. It it was a big movie, and it was it was like nominated for a writing Oscar. I don't think it won. No, it, it was just nominated. But still, like. It's a big movie compared to what, like a four percent Rotten Tomatoes for the third one. Even though this one's better, <laughs> what what is the Rotten Tomatoes score for this one? Because this is, um, I'm gonna I disagree. Think, I had it pulled up earlier. Okay, so the first, the <laughs> the second the second one has a nine percent. <laughs> On Rotten Tomatoes. What? The third one has 11%. So a little bit okay, better. Okay, a little bit better. But compared to the original one. Wow. I mean, that one did super well. 89%. And has a, yeah, like high 80%. I can fully say, I'm sure the first one is like a better movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not funnier, though. 
<laughs> Here's, I remember like watching after I saw the third one and I loved it. I realized that mom had the first two recorded on like VHS, you know, just home movies. And so I went back and watched the first two. And this, I remember specifically thinking about noticing like the different tones between each one, how they were just basically getting kind of goofier. But I remember as a kid, I was thinking of, okay, so the first one, it's more like a romantic comedy. Yeah. Now, the second one, they're together. There's not really a romance story. It's more of an action comedy. And then the third one is just all-out comedy. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you don't even take the goons seriously. Honestly, you don't even know what's going on, really, until the end. Yeah, I mean, whatever. There's The plot in this movie is just to get, you know, Dundee back to America yeah. in a new place he's never been, which is Los Angeles. I was fully expecting this to be... And eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but I was yeah genuinely pleased with honestly how well it aged. I mean, it didn't age super well yeah. in some sense, but like I thoroughly enjoyed it, and there wasn't like any exhausting part, yeah, of it, and it was all just like funny fish out of water jokes, like this dumb hillbilly, hillbilly as he says, um, uh, just like going through the Wendy's drive-through or. You know, <laughs> his son killing a rat in third grade. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it's great. I think one of the reasons I've always liked this movie, too, is because of like the L.A. setting. And so you're like on film sets, you know, in the movie. Yeah, studio. it's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just I don't know. It's cool for for movie lovers like us. It's a cool, cool setting for him to like, go behind <laughs> the scenes and be an extra on a movie. and. Yeah. And kind of do his do some detective work. And he get to work he gets to work with some animals he's never worked with before. Like a That's chimpanzee. True. Or uh a skunk. Yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> That's a good scene. And and I love how they I mean, they had to have like actually shut down the freeway to film that. <laughs> yeah. Which I love. <laughs> Meanwhile, the the listeners who's probably never seen if you if you're a listener and you've seen this movie prior to us talking about it we need you to tell us because we would be friends with you um (laughs) this is such an obscure movie because we're like we're talking to them like they don't know like they already know what we're talking about yeah we're we're flipping back and forth like you know what we're talking about oh no you probably don't Oh, the skunk scene yeah they definitely like shut down the freeway for that you know crocodile dundee los angeles is a staple of our childhood there's no yes. There's no doubt about it. Someone say stapleist, okay. maybe. Now one and two, I mean, I watched them. I especially liked. I remember liking the second one a lot too. But we just started with the third one because, like, we know we have to cover that one. Yes. So if anyone actually wants us to cover one and two, also let us know. I'm not <laughs> in a you... hurry to do them, but I definitely would <laughs> like to do those. Those are great. They're great and they're entertaining. Okay. Okay. We just won't make a whole series out of it. Maybe we'll find an Australian guest. Yeah. Maybe we can get old Robert Irwin on there. And Bindi. Yeah. I mean, that's a question. That's a question. Dude. Who's who's the better better dude? Crocodile Dundee or Steve, Ir- Crocodile Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. He's the <laughs> real thing. That's like saying Paul Hogan versus 
Steve Ammon. No, there's that's not even a question. Okay, okay. But that's crazy. Like Australia and crocodiles and crocodile hunters had a lot to do with pop culture between the 90s and I guess it was 87 when the first one came out. But like the 90s yeah. and, and then the early 2000s is when Steve Irwin took over. That's true. It's crazy. And then it was kind of silent for a while. But now Robert Irwin is back on to... He's on Instagram now, and he's taking and filling up his dad's boots. <laughs> Speaking of the Irwins, I would like to make a statement on behalf of Inside Quotes and say that we here at Inside Quotes uh, are anti-Stingray. <laughs> and okay. we, we absolutely hate Stingrays. And if you, anybody gets near us, forget about it. And you thought we thought the Stingray from Finding Nemo a couple weeks ago. No, we hate him. Mr. Ray? You don't know where he's been. <laughs> Australia. Yeah, exactly. Could have been him. <laughs> Anyways, rip Steve Irwin. Gone too soon, for sure. Before we dive on in, Jeremy, we have a new review on Apple Crocky, Podcasts. Crocky, we do? Five stars. I can't believe that. Says this podcast is fun, family-friendly, and factual. Sweet. Factual? Hey. I, tr- right. I try when I edit the episodes to make sure that we're at least 80% accurate in what we're saying. Yeah, we have fact checker in- interns here at Inside Quotes Staple Studios. I feel like we're winging this episode, so we'll see on this This one. is Let's our first for ever winged episode, and I'm kind of loving it <laughs> in a way. We, we kind of were a little spontaneous tonight. We were like, what, what could we do? We've never recorded an episode right after we watched the movie. And we've never decided, like, the turnaround time from deciding to cover a movie was hours. <laughs> but, like, it's 10.30 right now. It's pretty late. It's a, it's a yeah. late one. But we decided probably at 7.30 p.m. So, like, hey, let's get some Wendy's. Let's watch this movie. Yeah. And let's record right now. We, and we figured, like, <laughs> if this isn't the greatest episode we've ever done, that's okay, because y'all have not seen this movie. <laughs> All right, hey, let me finish the review, though. Okay. Oh, wait. I just, re- I just read the title. Oh, okay. okay. So here's the full review. Who's right. it from? Uh, Yaya Loves Lou. All right. <laughs> well, thank you, Yaya Loves Lou. Yes. Uh, it says, Jeremy and Jonathan provide fun and nostalgic experiences as they explore and remember the plots, themes, and characters of their favorite family movies. It's always a great time. Well, we try to please you, yeah? <laughs> Just another day on the mic. Now I have to remember what I promised. I, I don't know exactly when they wrote the review. End of April. What did I promise, you know, for a five-star review at that time? I have to go back, check the records. This is the Finding Nemo episode. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for leaving the review. And everyone else out there listening, if you leave us a five-star review, we promise to read it out on the show. Yeah. So, Jeremy, what's the first thing you think of whenever you remember that this movie exists? Crocodile Dundee. Wendy's. Of course. Absolutely, Wendy's. We're just going to go right there. The reason this movie is a staple of our childhood and has so many inside quotes for our family is specifically one scene. When Crocodile Dundee and his friend Jacko have the night off in L.A., He's introducing America to Jacko. Yeah. 
He's like, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna take you somewhere special tonight. Yeah. We pull up to a Wendy's, which, you know, seeing an early 2000s Wendy's in a movie was pretty nostalgic. It, gotta honestly, say. the yellow boxes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yellow Wendy's uh, hit different. I even liked the, you know, a lot of the fast food places now, they have, you know, just like posters up in the wall, you know, with whatever meal deal promotions yeah. they have. I noticed in the movie, like, it was like, you know, like the um, the art, like that's just drawn on there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's just like hand drawn, like 39 cent upsize your fries or whatever. Yeah. But it was like neon colors. And I don't know. It's kind of cool with the window art. <laughs> I don't know. This is such a like. This is the scene for the movie. So we've basically memorized the entire scene and we quote it all the time, especially when we go to Wendy's. Um, Our dad would just he would never order like it, but he would always quote like. Should we just recite the scene from memory? I'm pretty sure we can I get don't, it pretty close. I don't know. We may good, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> well, uh... What? I'll handle this. Good evening, Wendy. No, wait. You gotta, you gotta do the intro. Okay, okay. Well, I don't know the intro. Well, it's like... <laughs> you talk in that metal box, and two minutes later, you're, you're munching in your car. <laughs> yeah, you can eat like a pig and no one will see you. So you can eat like a pig? And no one will see you. Yeah. <laughs> I just love whenever he orders that he just assumes it's Wendy that's taking yeah. the order. Good evening, Wendy. Good evening, Wendy. There'll be four of us dining in the car tonight. Uh, what's funny? What's funny is that he told them that there are four of them dining in the car, but yeah. they really just wanted two meals because there's only two of them. So, <laughs> so that'll mean we'll be getting four triple burgers with cheese. And four biggie for eyes. And they just they just think they're pulling a fast one on Wendy. Oh yeah. That's so great. And wait, wait. Here comes Stan and Harry. <laughs> so we're gonna need six triple burgers with cheese and six biggie fries. As if like they just meet random people, their friends in the drive thru. Hey, Stan and Harry, good to see you. Hop in. <laughs> oh, man. It's just good. It's just... It probably doesn't wholesome, sound funny to them. Funny scene. But it, this is... Honest, yeah, it really is one of the most wholesome movies, funny scenes in general. Yeah, no, I love it. <laughs> so... <laughs> so this movie came out in 2001. 2001. And <laughs> had a budget of $25 million. And made a box office of $39 million. So, you know, not a huge success, yeah. but it made its money back. I think that a lot of the reviews kind of just call it like an unnecessary sequel. Uh, I would disagree. I don't know. There's something about... I mean, the movie is literally about an unnecessary sequel. So it's kind of like That's self-aware. Pretty, pretty meta, yeah. Uh, only this movie is fun, and I don't think I'd ever ever even think about seeing lethal agent three yeah yeah <laughs> i guess like lethal weapon it had the same font well you heard they're gonna make lethal agent four <laughs> what I talk to my agent i i was just looking at the the company that made this movie which was um well i guess it's distributed by paramount 
but it, the production company is Silver Lion Films. And I'm pretty sure the company in the movie was like Silver Gate or something like that. Huh. I don't know if there's a if that's a reference to anything, but and then there's a lion at the end of the movie, so spoiler. <laughs> we sound so stupid. <laughs> Look at us loving this particular movie. It was so nostalgic though, rewatching it. Like it really was. Every single like small side character like was really like the random guy that looked like Voldemort's head. Okay, yes. <laughs> uh, the the like the pickpocketer. There's a scene where Dundee and his son are like walking around L.A. He's showing them the sights and stuff, and they're like watching. They're in this crowd watching this like guy on like a unicycle, but it's like on stilts. Yeah. Some L.A. Thing. stuff, you know, Hollywood. Yeah. Everyone's like watching it. You know, it's one of those things that after they're done, you're supposed to tip or whatever. And there's like this <laughs> mugger in the crowd. And Jeremy like saw the guy and he's like, oh, yeah, this guy and kind of starts like rubbing his hands like, oh, yeah, I remember this scene. And you were like, where where have I seen this guy before? I'm like, he looks like the back of Professor Coral's head and Sorcerer's <laughs> Stone. <laughs> we need to see if that's the same guy. <laughs> Man, the best part about this movie is that more than half of the cast does not have a profile picture on IMTP. <laughs> <laughs> not even Nugget Ocas oh, or Nugget. Jacko. Mikey Dundee. This, this has all been like their only movies. So the Jacko, the actor who played him, was actually in the second one, mm-hmm. but he wasn't playing the same character. What? He was playing like a villain, like trying, like not the main villain, but like one of the goons, like trying yeah. to hunt them down. I feel like I kind of remember that now. Yeah, I remember him being in it, and then in the third one, he's like, oh, this is his friend now. <laughs> I guess he changed his mind? I mean, it's probably just not even no, the same character. He plays Denning just... in, Cha- in Crocodile Diddy 2, and he plays Jacko. That's kind of funny. I don't know why, but that's all right. <laughs> I don't know how to... I mean, the opening scene for Crocodile Diddy 3 is iconic for me, because it's yeah, like the good... only little bit you get in Australia. That's true. And uh I mean there's a little bit at the end at the wedding, but um Yeah, it's just like him and his element and this crocodile drags his boat under, so he climbs a tree and he's just chilling. And <laughs> then his friend Jacko comes in in a kayak and then the crocodile gets that kayak and he jumps in the tree. And yeah. then suddenly the two best crocodile hunters in Australia are have been outsmarted by a croc. And then <laughs> the tourists come in and they see it like, what is he doing up there? How's he gonna kill a croc there? <laughs> it's just a classic. And as soon as the tree oh man. It was very much like Jaws. I feel like Oh yeah. The same level of suspense as Jaws. Yes, very much. <laughs> uh I feel like that's why these are successful. And I can definitely relate to being scared of crocs more than sharks because we grew up in florida and we had the crocs cousin the alligator <laughs> and jonathan we have an alligator story don't we we do I, I have a couple stories one that involves you that you're thinking of and i have another story also that's kind of similar to this all right um do you want to tell yours no i want you to tell yours okay so the first one i was thinking of is these are both boy scout stories so here we go 
a lot, a lot of Boy Scout stories popping up on the pod lately. Yeah, but it's good. It's good source material. So when I was in Scouts, we did a fifty-mile canoe trip. It was like four, four or five days, maybe. I don't know. Uh, well, down the Hillsboro, huh? Down? No, not the Hillsboro. Down the oh, Swanee. Swanee, Swanee River in Florida. And so it's one of those things where we brought canoes up there and you basically, we packed like all our stuff in like those, uh, Elmer's like five gallon paint buckets Home because they like, bucket. they seal really well and they float. Elmer's not Elmer's. Well, I'm thinking Home Elmer's Depot glue bucket. Home Depot buckets. I don't know why I said Elmer's <laughs> <laughs> and, um, they seal really well and they float in the yeah. water. That's an important detail for later in this story, I might add. <laughs> um, and I remember one of the days, for whatever reason, I got paired up with one of the other scouts that I didn't normally, like wasn't my go-to canoe buddy, you know. And we were going down the, down the river, and for whatever reason, I was in the front paddling. He was in the back, so the person in the back is the one that kind of steers the canoe. And he he steered us like right into this like vegetation area and like a tree basically, and you know the the canoe started like shimmying a little bit, and yeah. I was trying to like stay down so that it would you know not tip over, but the scout in back of me he like freaked out and we were underneath a tree branch and he hmm. like jumped out and like just <laughs> held on to the tree abandoned and, ship. And he just abandoned ship. He's hanging up in the tree and the canoe just completely like flipped over. And <laughs> that included me and all our stuff. Oh man. So all our stuff is floating down the river and all the other scouts like had to like one of a, like some of them had to like come and like rescue me out of the water. And then the others like had to go and like go down the river and get, like retrieve all our stuff. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not riding with this guy anymore. <laughs> That's the most dangerous form of scouts is scouting in Florida. And exactly. That's, I mean, that's what I was like terrified of being in the water was like, are there alligators in this river? I have seen alligators in this river previously on this trip. Are they going to get me? Do you see an alligator? No. Are there? (laughs) Probably 10. Yes. (laughs) If you don't see them, they see you. That's been one of the great things about like being up here in Kentucky, like when we've gone out to like the lake and stuff. Yeah. The ease of mind knowing that there's not a gator. <laughs> yeah, we had I mean, so my story is somewhat similar only it involves a gator and you were there as well. Is was that your first canoe trip? I I mean, I had been on canoes and stuff, but this was like yeah. a whole like spring break trip like several days 50 miles down the river you go like however long each day and then you like camp out on the bank of the river that sort of thing so well this was my first it was just a day canoe trip day long canoe trip and i was what three months into scouts so this is my first ever time getting in a canoe (laughs) um and they decided to pair up the new scouts with the older scouts so I was in a big canoe with you and Brian, uh, and I was right in the middle, and you were in the front. And once again, the canoe goes <laughs> into the into the brush, and 
instead of tipping, we run over this log. Only the log was an alligator. <laughs> and I was 11 or 12, maybe. I was 11 years old. <laughs> I'd never been three feet away from an alligator that's rolling around trying to do the death roll on us. And it. Yeah. It snapped Ooh. and like thrashed at us. Yeah, it snapped right in your face, and yeah, I guess with my face too because we were right next <laughs> to each other. It was. I can't believe I didn't poop my pants. <laughs> I, I like to say we were the last. We were in fourth place of all the canoes if we were in a race, but as soon as we got out of there, we were in first place. Oh man, I've never paddled faster in my life because I remember asking you like, "Are they following us?" <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's our encounters. I feel like that's a rite of passage as a Floridian growing up. You gotta have an encounter with at least one croc. I mean, alligator. And I feel like, like obviously we all reacted and like we're like scared, but I'm pretty sure I was like, everybody stay down because <laughs> I did not <laughs> want that canoe to go over again based on this story I just told. We could have died. I was like, nobody, I mean, we're not, luckily there was no trees wow. above us mm-hmm. to like, for anyone to be tempted to jump up and like grab onto the branch or anything. Cause that would have just sent us in the water, but not have been good. I mean, I felt the vibration of like, he hit our canoe. Yeah. Yeah. Like thrashing. Um, that's crazy. I, I was within inches away with just a canoe wall, you know? He could have, if it was a croc, it would have killed us for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moral of the story is don't let Brian Wilman steer your canoe. <laughs> <laughs> Florida is basically the Australia of the United States. That's, that's what I'm coming to realize. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the state down under. So basically, Crocodile Dundee is the equivalent of the Florida man. Yeah. But for Australia. Only he's not hopped out on drugs. <laughs> yeah, I Finding Nemo didn't necessarily make me want to go to Australia, but Crocodile Dundee 3 makes me want to go to Australia <laughs> and not Los Angeles for some reason. I don't care <laughs> about L.A., but I want to go because of the first 15 minutes of the movie. Hey, they go back <laughs> at the end, you know? It's they so peaceful the wedding scene. and nice. Yeah. <laughs> My question is, how come... With all these reboots and remakes coming along and Disney Plus shows, this is the era of the reboot. Why have they not done an origin story or a reboot? I, honestly, they have no shame, obviously, because it's the third installment. Um, <laughs> I honestly would love to see a fourth Crocodile Dundee. Um, I'm pretty sure Paul Hogan's still alive, right? He is. He's like 83. I just looked up. Yeah. We so. can handle that. We, I mean, not too much more than Indiana Jones. So. I was going to say. Harrison Ford. About the same, <laughs> about the same age there. <laughs> this could happen. And this is 20 years later. This movie's 20 years old. So it's time for Brian Dundee to take the reins. So there is a movie that he did a couple years ago. It's called The Very Excellent Mr. Dundee. What? And but it's not like a tr- it's not like a Crocodile Dundee official movie. Okay. It, the pr- it, the premise here on Wikipedia says Paul Hogan, 
He's playing himself. Yes. Is reluctantly thrust back into the spotlight as he desperately attempts to restore his sullied reputation on Eva being knighted. Oh. And the like it says here, like he's portraying himself as an out of touch movie actor, and his like his character, Mick Dundee, is now being like monetized and like manipulated by others. <laughs> so I don't Weird. Know. I mean, this character is really old. It was like it wasn't just Crocodile Dundee. I don't know if you knew. Um, he did this, he had his own sitcom or like variety show or whatever in the seventies and the yeah, early eighties. I've heard 80s. of it. Yeah. I, that's what I've never seen any of They it, referenced yeah. that. You're like, ah, oh, man, he, he looks like they give him a show. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> He's like, what a nice guy. Can't act. <laughs> but he'll probably start in his own sitcom someday. Yeah. Uh, that he was, guy. I like that character a lot. His like his other extra. Oh yeah, in the movie really cool. Uh, I I just remember liking him in some of the scenes that they had together. Let me show the ropes to Hollywood. I also remember him though. Do you remember his character in Rat Race? No. So he's he's the taxi driver in Rat Race that Cuba really? Gooding's character like gets in the back of the car of yeah and he drives them out into the middle of the desert and leaves them because he's mad about the bonehead call he made (laughs) uh he reminds me of a mixture between george lopez and vince vaughn yep absolutely (laughs) the country of australia in 2018 tricked the entire world and they made a movie trailer for somewhat of like a tease of a of a resurgence of Crocodile Dundee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it had <laughs> uh, Danny... Danny McBride? Yeah, Danny McBride, who's not even Australian, <laughs> uh, playing <laughs> Brian Dundee, and his sidekick, Chris Hemsworth, and Margot Robbie, and Hugh Jackman's in it, and every other Australian, Australian actor and actress is in it. Um, it was really funny and I kind of want to see that movie it gave me Ted Lasso sketch vibes so I'm kind of hoping a TV show comes out of it yeah, in, maybe. in 7 or 8 years from now um, <laughs> obviously I would like it to be a little bit more serious and funny like not too, not Danny McBride level quite yet it needs to be somewhat serious like he's got to at least look like Brian <laughs> Paul Hogan was also in another staple, Flipper, starring Elijah Wood. Oh, yeah. We, we talked about covering that one, we too. We almost did that one, yeah. Enough movie, I can't wait to have some SpaghettiOs for that one. That'll be good. <laughs> Come on, I want to go see the Peppers. <laughs> hey, uh, so do you know the director of this movie, Simon Winsor? I have we no have covered we have covered one of his movies on the podcast already. That would be the original Free Willy. Oh, okay, that's kind of cool. I can get Free Willy vibes from it. I was excited when the movie started because it said the, the composer Basil Polidorus, and I was like, "Man, that's the same guy who wrote the Free Willy theme." <laughs> Pretty good. So I actually. guess he works. I guess he works with him. I didn't hear anybody. I didn't really hear any music at all besides like. A tense didgeridoo <laughs> while he's getting shot at. <laughs> yeah. So, Free Willy, 
Crocodile Dundee. He also made a movie that I like. I don't think you've seen it, but it's called The Phantom. That's a I fun have one. Not. Um, and then a movie that I've never seen all the way through, which is Operation Dumbo Drop. Now that's a good movie. I have you seen that movie all the way through? Yeah. Okay. For whatever reason, that's one that I've like started a couple of times, and like due to forces outside of my control, did not finish the movie. <laughs> <laughs> not that I got bored and like turned it you off. You don't remember like, watching that one as a kid? I remember watching it one time at school at FCA, and oh. like I got like halfway through it, and then it. Like we had to leave or something like that, and I never got to finish it. We had it at home, I thought. You know, I watched I it at home. I kind of remember maybe getting it like years later after I was kind of like older and not really gonna mm. watch movies like that. <laughs> yeah, but look at me now watching these movies every week. <laughs> I was only excited because it had Dougie Doug in it. That sank a coffee. Oh yeah, let's talk about coffee in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that I did not understand that at all. <laughs> you know, they're making fun of all the Hollywood fads and the nu- nutrition kicks that people get Health on. Nuts. And like, oh, coffee good, coffee bad for you? Who knows? Well, <laughs> he ends up going to a bar, and this one guy is ordering like the healthiest drink ever. And then he's like, I'll take a beer, mate. Ice cold beer will be fine. And then some other like big wig is like next to him. And he's like, I can't believe people care about what they eat and what they don't eat. You know, it's just crazy. <laughs> you don't need anything. Yeah, I, I eat what I want when I want. I just wash it all out with coffee. <laughs> and uh, it's. I, I'm trying to find the I'm trying to find the guy because it, it's a cameo and I can't remember who uh, it is. Well, anyways, he's like. Oh, really? You must drink a lot of coffee. And he's like, oh, I don't drink it. (laughs) It's a coffee enema. Does wonders for your colon. (laughs) He's like, I'm not talking about drinking it. He's like, colonics. Colonics. Coffee enema. He's like, really? Cream and sugar and everything, too? (laughs) He said, well, it's L.A. Uh, That blew my mind. I thought I did not realize that. Okay, so the guy who said that line, he, uh, his name is George Hamilton. Okay. Uh, he was in the movie Zorro the Gay Blade. Oh, I've seen that. Which is one that Dude, we watched. <laughs> first of all, breaking news, coffee enema is a real thing. Oh, yeah. I didn't think that. You think they uh, made it up for the movie? Of course I thought they made it up for... <laughs> what are you talking about? Cream and sugar? <laughs> A coffee enema involves injecting room temperature coffee into the... Mm, there's a little evidence to support the use of coffee enemas, and that may be dangerous. Proponents of coffee enemas claim that they help detoxify the body, regenerate the liver, and reactivate the immune system. However, there is no quality scientific evidence to support these claims. Moreover, most studies highlight the potential risks and dangers of coffee enemas. <laughs> Obviously, I could have told you that one. (laughs) (laughs) And then they make a callback. He's like, man, let's just go home and get a coffee. Yeah. Might be disappointed the way they serve coffee here. (laughs) 
one of the other cameos in the movie was Mike Tyson. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is my first ever introduction to Mike Tyson. I guess also technically my first experience with The Rock. That was funny, yeah. <laughs> Cuz The Rock was a wrestler a... at this time. Yeah, his make his son makes a reference to wrestling and then he's like, "Can you smell what The Rock is cooking?" I'm like, "Wow." That was when he was The Rock, not Dwayne Johnson. Not Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> yeah. I learned a lot about animals. All you got to do is point your fingers up, pinky and index finger, right at him. Any animal. Oh, yeah. Make eye contact with him. Become the animal. I will be doing that. It's kind of like, like the rock and roll symbol, but like pointed down. Yeah. And like straight on at at an animal you just look him in the eyes i mean if i'm cornered by a bear or something i might as well try it yeah might as well i don't know this movie gives me such a warm feeling especially the first 20 minutes of it like where he and his son are walking through the bush and he's teaching him stuff i'm like ah this is so cool i wish i was his son i like that yeah i i did think it was funny like they basically you know they go to la because Sue is going to go work for her dad, who owns a whole newspaper. So I guess they've got tons of money because of that. Obviously, they moved to Beverly Hills. But I was going to say, not only do they move to Beverly Hills, but they're, like, living in this, like, mansion. Yeah. Like, the house that they, you know, they're in, like, a nice house in Australia, but it's not, like, a mansion. I always pictured it as (laughs) the trailer from Monsters, Inc. that Randall got into, even though that was Louisiana. Where they're living at the beginning of the movie? Yeah. Mama, another gator got in the house. Another gator! Same year, different movies. <laughs> I like the when he's picking up his son from school, and you see the guy, he's dressed up like a like an aborigine yeah. character. Thought he was fully an aborigine. You think he is. Up until and today. Then... <laughs> I, I just thought aborigines had cell phones. Well, he's explaining, he's like, ah, you got another show today, mate? Like, he's he's doing these shows for the tourists. That's that's kind of a theme of the movie is, yeah. is like, what, where's their place in modern, the modern age, yeah. you know? Are are they just there to be tourist acts? But, um, yeah, he's like, t- he's giving him like a hard time about like him and Jacko stuck up in the tree at the beginning of the movie. And he's like, how'd you hear about that? <laughs> It's like, my people have ways of knowing things only white people could never understand or something. <laughs> and then the cell phone rings, and it's and he like, oh, yeah, he's right here with me. That's funny. It's a good joke. Yeah, no, I just thought he was legit. I just thought that's how Australia works. Well, the windy scene is obviously best scene of the movie. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, what are the highlights The studio here? tour. The studio tour, definitely. I like... The tour guide was was kind of yeah, funny. Yeah, that was funny. And when he stabs the snake, the anaconda, out of a reflex, and he doesn't even get mad. He's like, that was pretty cool. Cool yeah. reflexes. The animatronic snake <laughs> pops out at him and scares him. Yeah. And the funny part is like, Mikey is asking him before, like, hey, Dad, did you bring your knife with you? He's like, no, I, I left it. I didn't think I needed it here. Just a pocket knife. Just a pocket knife. And then he pulls out this massive <laughs> knife, stabs a snake. That's not a knife. This is a knife. This is a knife. Another classic. 
So if you've heard that quote before and you didn't know what it's from, it's from Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> what what's another great scene? I always thought the rat in the classroom was awesome. That was fun, yeah. But I I guess it's not the best. The monkey with the with the diet coke, that was legit. Mm. Yeah. Hey everyone, watch these. Watch these. Kiki, get me a drink. <laughs> Make a diet. <laughs> And a glass, too. <laughs> Book him. Oh, this is really cool. He has a way with animals. This is a great animal movie. <laughs> That's an iguana, Ted. I like, I mean, Jacko's a great sidekick. Yeah. I like his character a lot. He's really funny. And I like the scenes, basically, like, when he gets to L.A. also and is kind of involved in some of the scenes. I like, yeah. I like a lot of that. The end of the movie, I actually think is pretty cool because they're kind of chasing Dundee through all these sets on the studio lot. Yeah. And so they're kind of going from one environment to the next or just these kind of warehouse looking areas. But um, typically in these movies, it's him like out in the Australian bush or whatever, like, you know, trying to trying to survive and people are hunting him down, especially like in the second one. you kind of get to see like Dundee in his element, sort of, even yeah. though he's not out in the bush. So that was cool. I like how they just like leave a lion on the set of a movie at night. Actually, multiple lions. Yeah. <laughs> and they let him run loose. I guess he let him loose. I guess he let, yeah, opened up the cage, but still, like, this isn't like a legit cage. This was like a movie set cage. <laughs> There's nothing reinforcing those walls on the sides. (laughs) So the character of Crocodile Dundee was based on a real person. His name is Rod Ansel. Okay. Who was an Australian cattle grazer and a buffalo hunter. He became famous in 1977 when he was stranded in a completely remote country in the Northern Territory. And he survived for 56 days with limited supplies, became news headlines around the world. And he became, from that, he became the inspiration for Paul Hogan's character in the 1986 film Crocodile Dundee. Okay. Uh, weirdly, in 1999, he was killed in a shootout by policemen in the Northern Territory Police. So, what a wild life this guy has led. Okay. Uh, I didn't know he was a real person. Australia is a wild place. Do people like rats here? Are they just considered pests? <laughs> well, sometimes. Uh, not really. There's a big rat over there on the bookshelf. <laughs> it's Beverly Hills. Why is there a rat in there? <laughs> Jeremy, what do you think the lesson learned is of this movie? Oh, lesson learned. Uh, always be a supportive husband. And be like Chicken Joe. I mean, Crocodile Dundee. Let's be real. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure Sue was making all the money in that. For sure. <laughs> I don't know. He's pretty famous. I'll just go, go wherever she's. She's got the job. Yeah. I am curious what she was doing. Like what she would have been doing for work in Australia. That didn't really say. She was just kind of ready to kind of go and 
work in LA for probably a temporary a local, amount of time. Probably the probably the local news or something. Anyways, well, um, I think it's either the bad guys are s- smuggling something. It's either drugs or guns. That's what I learned. Or artwork that or apparently artwork. had burnt down. Good, good <laughs> little interesting uh, plot device there. I I genuinely thought it was going to be drugs. So did Dundee. Yeah. That's what always happens on NYPD Blue. <laughs> okay, so let's actually let me dive into that for a little bit. Because I guess at the end of the movie, it's revealed that there's a bunch of priceless paintings that the art world believes have been destroyed. Yes. But apparently they have not. And what they're doing is they're smuggling them over to America. And then bombing where they've been stolen from. And then their whole thing was like, well, if they find out that we were the ones that brought them over to America, we'll just show them the movie where we burned them because they're replacing them with fakes. I was like, that is that going (laughs) to hold up? I don't. I don't know. (laughs) But also it's like, was the movie studio head responsible for this bombing that like everyone thought the paintings were destroyed in, or he's just dealing with the black market of the art. Uh, I, I I took that as they did the bombing, Hmm. but how does a movie studio get a hold of bombs? I don't know. Hmm. I guess it's not that hard. Um, but my other question is those paintings are worth like $300 million collectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but they're wasting all their money on a movie studio, putting it into a pointless film. That's not going to make any money. Why did, why didn't they just invest their money into making a great film and then just get $300 million in the box office? It's not that hard could've. to do. Could have. Well, Kiki has a pretty steep, uh, acting fee. Yeah. That chimpanzee. Who wouldn't? Have you ever seen a chimp grab a Coke? Not me. Only a Diet Coke. Yeah. Well, let's be real. We covered this movie so we could talk about the Wendy's scene. (laughs) And if you're still with us, good on you, mate. Please, if you haven't seen this movie, (laughs) I would suggest watching it. And if you know us and you ever want to watch it, let us know. And we'll watch it again, probably. We're always down to watch the Dundee movies. (laughs) Um, it, it's such a wholesome movie, give or take a few scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love it. I love the character. It makes me love Australia. It's honestly Australia's biggest tourist. It, this is the Harry Potter for Australia. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, what what uh letterbox score would you give this movie, dude? I think I can't. I mean, with a score of 11 on Rotten Tomatoes, I can't give it a 4. But I'm going to give it a 3.5. I think I am too. Now, it's objectively probably a bad movie. But it invokes a feeling in my heart that not many other movies can handle. So, it's better than average for me. Yeah. It's a... It just has a lot of great scenes, some good quotes. And if nothing else, if you're a fan of the character, it's just good to see him back in the role. Exactly. 
And so I think 11% on Rotten Tomatoes is pretty, pretty low, you know, pretty dang low. Is it a five star? No, but I, I agree. I'd give it a three and a half. (laughs) Maybe that's some nostalgia talking, but I don't think it's talking too loud there. (laughs) Probably better than Lyle Lyle Crocodile, the other crocodile movie been coming (laughs) out lately. All right. Well, uh, another day, another staple. Well, everyone, our only question left is, <laughs> what's your favorite quote from this movie? <laughs> if you've seen it. Honestly, if, you just, if you've seen this movie, just let us know. That's what we want to know. Let us know on Inside Quotes Cast on Instagram. And if you haven't followed us, go ahead and do that and let us know if there are any movies you want us to cover on the show. So next week, Jeremy, it's going to be your turn because yes. I picked... Today's classic for our episode. It's going to be your turn next time. <laughs> All right, well, this is another childhood staple, of course. We don't do anything besides childhood staples, but here's a clip. Good work, everybody. We're ready for intergalactic travel. Neutron, this is going to work, right? Yeah, Jimmy, what if it doesn't work? It will work. <laughs> I'm 95% sure it will. Uh, 95? Yeah. Yeah, and the other 5%? We blow up. Oh, just a little. Look, a 95 is still an A. Yeah, I can deal with that. I never got a 95 in my life. You heard the man. Stop sucking your thumbs and let's light this candle. Our show art was done by Bryce Bridgman, and you can find him on Instagram at GroovyBridge. And our music was done by Alex Bird. And we would love it if you left us a five-star review. If you do, we promise to read it on the show, live, as we're recording. But more importantly, five stars, and we'll buy you six triple burgers with cheese and and six six biggie biggie fries. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed us talking about our childhood staples just as much as we have, even if you've never seen these movies. <laughs> and if you did, make sure you hit follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you don't miss out on a future episode. Also, if you like the show, share it with a friend. Until next week, we'll see you next time on Inside Quotes. Just remember, don't stop on the freeway for a skunk. <laughs>